You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, moving over from Score Zag Score and taking over here at Locked On. I want to thank you all for making this podcast your first listen of the day. Whether you are a new listener to the show, new to my content, or coming over from my previous show, a reminder to please follow and subscribe to this podcast wherever you already get podcasts, and to look out for an upcoming YouTube channel, which is going to start in the next couple of weeks. I know many of you are people who like to listen to stuff on YouTube. Use that as your primary source of information. So we're going to have a channel up there so you guys can see me, hear me, do all of that fun stuff. All right, today is the 13th and final episode in our extensive player preview series, taking a brief but thorough look at every player on Gonzaga's roster, detailing their basketball history, a look at the best and worst case scenarios for them in 2021-2022, and finally a closer look at their expected role in production this year. If you missed any of the previous 12 installments, check back in your feed. They've been coming out throughout the month of October. You can catch them all wherever you already get podcasts. Today's episode is going to focus on sophomore guard Dominic Harris. It makes sense that we talked about him last because he suffered an injury, for those of you who missed it, to his foot. There's not a ton of detail about that. We're going to talk about him as best we can with the knowledge that we have uh, and, and what his season might potentially look like. We can start with that player history. Dominic Harris has only been at Gonzaga technically as a student for one year for many people it's going to feel like it's been a lot longer, and that is because he committed to Gonzaga very early in the class of 2020, part of that infamous tricky trio, of course, with Julian Strother and Jalen Suggs, who is with the Orlando Magic now. Dominic Harris was the catalyst for all of this. He's the catalyst for those three guys. He's the catalyst for Chet Holmgren. Most of you probably kind of know this story, but for those of you who are new to this, Dom committed to Gonzaga as a sophomore in high school out of Rancho Cucamonga, California. He rose up the ranks as a prospect after committing. It was clear Gonzaga had an eye on him before a lot of other schools did. They identified his talent level. It showed through over the next couple of years of high school basketball. This is one of those things that Gonzaga is very, very good at. They don't just recruit players who are already top 10, top five talents in their class. They recruit players who rise up the rankings. Caden Perry is another very recent example of that. It's something that they're really good at. I don't know how else to say it. Tommy Lloyd had a big part of that. Brian Michelson has a big part of that, specifically domestically. And they're they're very good at this. And Dom was a kid who was committed right out of the shoots. He wanted to come to Gonzaga, and he wanted to bring some talented players with him. So he helped recruit Julian Strother, who is obviously playing high school ball in Las Vegas. And then he helped, he helped recruit Jalen Suggs, helped convince him to become part of the tricky trio, part of that really dynamic group of, of guards. And Without Jalen Suggs, there's probably no Chet Holmgren. So I've said this before. I'll say it again. Dominic Harris, even if his contributions on the basketball court, which I expect to be very prominent by the time he leaves Gonzaga, but even if they never reach the expectations that many people believe, he's an instrumental part of this program's history unquestionably because of his the recruiting that he did before he even came to Gonzaga, the recruiting he did as a junior and senior in high school to help get Julian and Jalen Suggs into this program is something that will go down in Gonzaga lore regardless of how he does on the court. But I think he's going to do pretty good on the court. He ended up finishing 74th in his class at 24-7 Sports. Uh, he was 
not in the rotation as a freshman. Him and Julian Strother did not play a whole lot their first year. Obviously, Gonzaga's depth got advanced significantly with the news that Andrew Nempard was eligible last year. That happened, for those of you who remember, like, I think four or five days before the first game against Kansas. It was really late-breaking news that Nembhard was going to be eligible. That basically shot down any chance of Dom being a rotation player because they already had Aaron Cook. They already had Joel Eiei. Of course, they had Corey Kispert and Jalen Suggs. They already had a big enough group of guards that once Nembhard became eligible, it just really cemented that Dom wasn't going to play a whole lot. But he managed to make his way into 25 games. And in those 25 games, he played about seven minutes per night. So again, he was not in the rotation, but he was playing minutes. Like he was on the floor. He got into the majority of Gonzaga's games. He played the last half of the, of the, sec, of the second half a lot of the time. Obviously, it helped that Gonzaga was frequently beating teams by 25, 30, 35 points at that time. So it's easier to get your freshman guard some playing time. But that's the benefit that Gonzaga has, that they can get these guys this playing time in these situations. We saw some good performances from Dom last year. He overall averaged three points just under a rebound per game, about a half an assist. He shot 42% from the field, but 39.1% from three, which is a significant part of who he is as a basketball player and something we're going to talk about quite a bit in the other two segments of this show. He had a 10 points and two assists against Northwestern State. The first time they played the Larry Owens team, he went two for two from three in that game. 12 points, two assists against Northern Arizona. 11 points, three rebounds against Pacific. In that game, he went three for three from downtown, which is pretty excellent, of course. Uh, he played 11 total minutes in the NCAA tournament. I've talked about this uh, in a lot of shows. I talked about this in Ben Gregg's episode, and I talked about it in Julian Strother's episode. Getting these guys playing time in the NCAA tournament is huge. It's not quantifiable. It's not a stat that we can really know definitively helps, but I have to imagine that this year, if Dominic Harris is a, is a significant contributor on this team come NCAA tournament time, which I believe that he will be, the fact that he's done it, Yes, they were 11 minutes. Yes, they were basically all in garbage time. I think seven of those 11 minutes were against Norfolk State, the first round game. Still, he has done it. He's not just been on the bench, which is still an important thing to have been able to just be there, be at a game, like be in the huddle, be in the preparation, like understand how to, you know, see how a guy like Joel carries himself or Corey carries himself, all of that stuff. That's all instrumental and important. But having actually physically stepped on the court and played, I don't think it can be understated how important that is. And so those 11 minutes, they may seem rather innocuous. He didn't do a whole lot. He did score seven points. He went two for three from the field, one for one from downtown. It it seems like it may not matter all that much, but in my mind, at least, I think it's important. And I think Coach View knows that. I think that's why he gets these guys these opportunities. Obviously, you can't always do it because NCAA tournament games are always hard. And even against 16 seeds, they're not always a gimme. But when Gonzaga got the opportunities to play Harris and Strother and Ben Gregg, they took them. And I think that that's important. Now, he's coming into his sophomore year. He was poised for a big role. A lot of people expected him to start the season, even with Rasir Bolton in the fold, even with Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman in the mix, even with Andrew Nempard returning. The expectation was that Dom, if he wasn't going to start, he was at least going to be a huge piece coming off the bench. Then we got the news right around craziness in the kennel that he was in a walking boot. There still hasn't been a ton of information about what happened. We've heard reports that it's plantar fasciitis, which is a six to 10 week recovery time. We know that he had surgery on October 13th on his foot. That is about the extent of what we know. We're not going to get really a lot of firm information until Gonzaga's actual season starts and they have press requirements and they have to release information. Until that happens, we're probably not going to hear a whole lot. But I'm going to operate with through the rest of this podcast 
on the assumption that he will be out somewhere between six to 10 weeks. Understanding, of course, that it could be a lot longer than that, that it could be shorter than that, that even if he's back in six weeks, he may not be 100% in six weeks. It's hard to know. Trying to guess how to how injuries are going to go is kind of a foolish endeavor, which makes a lot of parts of this podcast a bit more guesswork than usual. It's already guesswork. That's what we're doing. We're taking educated guesses based on what we know about the players on the roster, the coaching staff, the opponents, all of that stuff. Throwing a, a, an undetermined injury into the mix does make things a little bit more challenging. But I do want to talk about in the second segment the best case scenarios, the worst case scenarios for Dominic Harris, mostly talking about on the court stuff. Although, again, usually I have the caveat that says that I try not to talk about injuries. It's impossible to not talk about an injury with Dominic Harris in this case because it's a significant part of how this season is going to go for him. Before we do that, though, before we get into Dominic Harris's best and worst case scenarios, let's talk about sweat block. Sweatblock is currently the number one selling product in Amazon's antiperspirant category, and for good reason. This doctor-created and doctor-recommended product is manufactured right here in the USA and comes with a dry shirt guarantee. That's right, the folks at Sweatblock are so confident in their product that if it doesn't help keep you dry, you get your money back. So what are you waiting for? Do you have a big presentation coming up, job interview, first date? Give Sweatblock a try, and if it doesn't work, you get your money back. These wipes have been featured and tested on Rachel Ray's show, where firefighters gave them a go and came out of it sweat-free. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning, you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code LOCKEDON or at Amazon and CVS. Today's episode is also brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place where you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Growing up, it was the place to go for post-game celebrations, and for a while, it even became a pre-game location with their delicious breakfast menu. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. I'm loving it. All right. In the first segment, we talked Dominic Harris's history. We talked about what we saw from him in a brief role as a freshman. We talked about the two years prior to his freshman year where he spent time recruiting to help Gonzaga land Julian Strother and Jalen Suggs. We also talked about the injury he suffered, which is a big part of what we're going to talk about here. In this segment, I've always labeled the caveat. We're going to talk about players within reason and without injury. Best case meaning we're not going to talk about a player being a national player of the year candidate and the first overall pick in the draft unless that is a realistic scenario for them. Worst case, we were not going to discuss injuries. However, with Dominic Harris, he's injured. <laughs> there is no possible way to avoid talking about injuries, and the timeline right now is a little bit spotty. So I'm going to spend most of this time talking about his performance on the court, but we're going to talk a little bit about the injury because, again, it's kind of hard not to. The best case for the best case scenario, excuse me, for Dominic Harris is that he's back in early December. Six weeks is generally considered the earliest timeline for somebody with a plantar fasciitis injury. Harris got surgery on October 13th. That could, in theory, put him out 
late November. I don't think that they would rush him back for the Duke game on November 26th. That would be very early in this process and seems unlikely to try to throw him into that fire. So instead, you're looking at some of the early December games, maybe UW, some of the other, you know, not as good quality opponents that they're playing in early December. That's kind of where I think Dom's best case scenario for him getting back on the court. And of course, we're assuming that he's then going to be healthy and 100%. Beyond that, best case scenario for Dom is that he plays his way into a starting role. Before the season, the expectation for Dom was that he could compete for a starting role. The best case scenario is he still does that. This injury costs him some valuable time at the beginning of the season, but it does not slow him down from being a starter on this roster. In, in my mind, he would start alongside Andrew Nembhard and either Julian Strother or Rasir Bolton or Hunter Salas. Any of those guys could start there. Dom is a great off-ball player, and in the best-case scenario, he is he looks like a legitimate combo guard. He can do a little bit of everything. The best-case scenario is he's playing 20 to 25 minutes per night, and he is Gonzaga's best three-point shooter. We're talking about a guy shooting 42, 43, 45% from three. Again, I talked about this in the Nolan Hickman episode just yesterday for those of you who missed it. We talked about how any of the guards, any of them, preferably more than one, but if at least one of them can step up and knock down threes very consistently, it mitigates what I think opposing defenses are going to try to do a lot against Gonzaga this year, which is pack in a 2-3 zone. It's one of the best ways to neutralize Drew Timmy and with Drew and Chet on the floor at the same time. No defense is going to be particularly effective because both those guys are really, really good. But a zone defense at least eliminates some of what they're they're able to do. It, it minimizes the height advantage that those two guys are going to have, the overall size advantage. So I think you're going to see a lot of teams do that. But if Dom or Nolan or both of them or them plus Nempard and Salas and Julian and all those guys can really knock down a bunch of open threes, that's going to make it a lot harder to play zone defense. You either have to accept that you're going to be outmatched against Chet and Drew in a man, or you're going to get shot over in a zone by a bunch of guys who can shoot threes. Dom's a key part of that equation. And in a best case scenario, once he's healthy, he comes in, starts knocking threes down at just under 50% and makes it impossible for opposing defenses to pack in that zone. Beyond that, the best case scenario for Dom is that his decision-making is improved. He didn't play enough minutes consistently last year to really say that his decision-making was bad. I don't think that's a fair way to label what happened to him last year in a situation where the majority of the time that he came in a game, it was 25-plus point lead. They were just trying to run out the clock. Like You can't really judge a player in that situation, but Dom is very much, at least what we saw last year, he is score first mentality. And there's a lot of reasons that that's very good and that's not a bad thing for him to be. But in a best case scenario, we see a player who is not only capable of taking the ball to the rack or shooting over somebody or just creating his own shot, but he also can make the right pass. He can facilitate the offense. He can read defenses. He can break them down. Stuff that, again, there's no reason to believe he can't do. We just have not seen it yet because he was not thrust into opportunities to really do that last year. Best case scenario at the end of the year, we're like, yeah, that guy's not just a two. He's a, he can play point. He can play two very capably in either spot. It's it's a bit of a question mark about him right now. And with Andrew Nembhardt and Nolan Hickman on the roster, and frankly, Rasir Bolton, who has two years of experience playing point guard at a Power 5 school, there is, there's not a lot of need for Dom to play the one. Gonzaga doesn't need him to do that. But for his sake, A, as a potential NBA player, he's going to need to prove that he can play the one. If he's a six foot four 
only shooting guard, that's going to make it much more difficult to land a job in the NBA. So he needs to do it for himself. But for Gonzaga, it's just nice to have another ball handler. And it's nice to have a guy where, yeah, maybe he's playing the two in the game, but if he has the ball, if he happens to bring it up, or if he's just the one who's resetting the offense after an offensive rebound, you know that he can capably break down a defense and make the right pass and get them into a set, uh, something that we didn't really see him do last year. Beyond that, best case scenario is that he is the best perimeter defender on the team. (laughs) I think I've said this for almost every guard on the team because right now there's just not a clear cut that is the guy who's going to guard the opposing team's best player, best perimeter player. There's nobody on the roster who has stepped into that role. A lot of people think Hunter Salas will be that guy because of his insane athleticism and length. A lot of people think Andrew Nembhard will be that guy because of his experience, because he's been a good on-ball defensive player in the past. A lot of people think Nolan Hickman could be that guy based on what he did in high school. And Dominic Harris has been, now Dom has a slight advantage because Brian Michelson, the associate head coach for this team, has said that if Dom applies himself, he believes he can be the team's best on-ball defensive player. So when a coach is saying that, when one of the most prominent coaches on the staff is saying that, that's a pretty good sign. Of course, Dom has the disadvantage of not starting the year out on the team, and a foot injury seems like something that could significantly impact him on the defensive end, perhaps more so than it will on offense because so much of defense is moving laterally and landing on the balls of your feet and doing that kind of stuff. But in the best-case scenario, by the end of the year, he is clearly Gonzaga's best on-ball defensive player in the NCAA tournament against really good guards that Gonzaga is going to face. He is the one nose-to-nose with those guys for 40 minutes a night. Again, all of that stuff leads to situations where Dom is a most improved player candidate. He is all WCC candidate, even if he missed the start of the season. We're assuming he's back for the majority of the WCC conference slate. Uh, The absolute best case scenario, absolute, is that he considers going to the NBA. I think because he's missing the first half of the year, the NBA is all but shot for this year. And that doesn't mean that he won't be good enough at the end of the year to consider it. I just think he's most more likely going to come back. He's going to want to play a full season of college basketball. Teams are going to want to see him play a full season of college basketball. Again, he's probably going to get eased back into action, so he's going to miss the first half of the year most likely. But in the best-case scenario, he's thinking about it. And and us as fans, we're a little nervous. <laughs> we're sweating a little bit because, like, hey, he's he could go. Like, he could really do it. What's the worst case scenario for Dominic Harris? Well, obviously, obviously the worst case scenario is that this injury lingers throughout the season. Either it takes him out for the entire year, which is very unlikely barring a setback, or he just never really quite gets 100%. I, I picture like what happened with Anton Watson when he was a freshman, obviously different injury. That was his shoulder. But he came back and he just never got fully healthy and he ended up getting shut down later in the year. Or Umar Balo last year, again, different injury. It was his thumb. But he got hurt, he came back, and he just he never quite got back to 100%. The worst case scenario for Dom is that he just doesn't quite get there. But again, excusing injury stuff, the worst case scenario for Dominic Harris is that he just he doesn't play his way into the rotation. He's at a disadvantage now. The rotation is the guard rotation is set. Not the starters isn't exactly set, but the four players who are going to be in the guard rotation for this team is set right now, and Dominic Harris is not in it. So when he comes back from his injury, whether it's in late November, early December, late December, January, whenever it may be, he is going to have to fight for that playing time. And in the worst case scenario, he doesn't he doesn't jump anybody on the depth chart. He stays fifth in the guard rotation. Now, fifth on this year's guard rotation where they're going to play so many three guard lineups doesn't mean that he doesn't play at all. But it probably looks a little bit like last year where he plays, you know, once he's healthy, he plays the majority of games. He doesn't get a lot of DNPs. 
but he's only playing eight, nine, ten minutes per night. Worst case scenario is he's an inconsistent outside shooter. He's, you know, maybe he shoots 34, 35, even 37 percent. But again, some some weeks he makes one out of 10. Some weeks he makes five out of seven. Like you, you just don't not sure what you're getting night in and night out. And again, it's like I talked about with Nolan Hickman. That makes it easier for teams to gamble on trying that zone defense because they don't know if Gonzaga has a reliable shooter that night. The worst case scenario for Dominic Harris is that he looks like a score first guard, but not really a point guard. That decision-making is still not there. When he gets the ball, he's so focused on scoring, he can't really be relied upon to get the team into an offensive set. He can't be relied upon to make an extra pass. He can't be relied upon to do that stuff. He's just looking to score. And that's his primary role on this team, so it's not this horrible outcome. But for him as an NBA player, he needs to be able to display the ability to break down a defense, make the right pass, do that stuff. And in a worst-case scenario, at least for this year, Gonzaga is very very committed to Nempard and Hickman running the point, and Dom is just not really a factor uh, at the one. Defensively, the worst-case scenario is that, yes, we see that aggression, we see that athleticism that could lead to him being a good defensive player, but maybe his technique is flawed, maybe he's a step slow, maybe he just doesn't read things as well. Bigger guards or savvier guards or more veteran guards can break him down, can get past him, can draw fouls from him, can do that kind of stuff that that just is from somebody who's an inexperienced defensive player. He has the athletic tools, but he's not applying them in a way that makes him more than just an average defensive player. And then the worst case scenario is not only is he not at all a candidate to jump to the NBA, but people are starting to get legitimately concerned that, hey, is this, are we sure this is the guy in year three? Because I think a lot of people, especially now with his injury, are thinking, okay, you know, Dom's still going to be good this year. He's still going to make improvements, but man, year three, watch out. And in a worst case scenario, there's, we have some doubt creeping in on whether he's going to be that guy when that time comes. All right, best and worst case scenarios for Harris have been discussed. Let's come back in the third segment, talk about some more realistic scenarios for the budding star ahead of the 21-22 campaign. Before we do that, though, let's talk about today's sponsor, Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endear often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts from their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rockauto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. I just had my 13-year-old car serviced recently. And I can tell you having one place to find all the parts I need makes things infinitely easier. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in there, how did you hear about us box, so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Today's episode is also sponsored by Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year. With a newly updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit, just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. 
Alright, the 12th, or excuse me, the 13th and final episode of our player preview series. We have talked about every single player on Gonzaga's roster. They all got their own individual episodes, save for the five walk-ons. Everybody has been covered. We're going to finish up today talking about Dominic Harris. First segment, we talked about his player history. Second segment, we talked best and worst case scenarios. Here in the third segment, we're going to talk about his expected role and production. It's obviously difficult, more so, more difficult than the other player on the roster because of the question about when he is going to be healthy. What we know is he had surgery on October 13th on his foot. The expected timeline for the kind of injury that he has is six to 10 weeks. That puts him back sometime in December, most likely. Killian Tilly had a similar injury. He came back in about six weeks, but... As you might recall, Killian Tilly didn't just come back and be fully healthy for Mariano. He continued to have his injury history. He had problems throughout the year. He missed some time kind of periodically with the foot injury. It, it lasted multiple years. It's lasted into his NBA career. Hopefully, of course, that is not the case with Dominic Harris. Hopefully it is not continued in, continuing to be an issue for Killian Tilly, although we know that it has been. So it's hard to speculate. It's hard to know. I don't particularly enjoy speculating on when a player is going to recover from an injury. It seems like a kind of silly endeavor. So I'm going to really try to kind of focus on Dom on the court as opposed to talking about when is he going to be back? I don't know. If I knew, I would probably have a different profession. I would work in the medical field if I could tell you with pinpoint accuracy when he was going to be back. But I do think that when Dom is back, when he is healthy, assuming he gets all the way back up to 100% health or close to it, I think he's going to work his way into the rotation. Now, room is hard to come by. I mentioned this in the second segment. There are already four guards, four really good guards, four guards who three of them have a very, very high likelihood of playing in the NBA. The other one has been a multi-year starter in a Power 5 school. That's a really tough rotation to crack. Frankly, it was going to be hard for Dom to crack, even if he was fully healthy. I think he would have. I think he was going to go into the season as a key, key component of this roster. But now... He's behind the sticks. He's got to fight to get back into that spot. I do think it's going to happen. He's going to get eased in. Gonzaga has the ability to ease him in, which is really nice because coming back from a foot injury is hard and not getting eased in, being forced to play a large amount of minutes right away would probably put him at a higher risk to re-aggravate the injury. So it's good that that's not happening. It's good that he's going to be in a spot where he can play six, you know, maybe two, three-minute spurts in his first few games back and then maybe two, four-minute spurts and maybe a six-minute spurt and a five-minute spurt, you know, things like that. We, you know, we'll let the coaching staff determine exactly how to fit that in. I think he's going to spend a lot of time playing alongside two other guards because I think the rest of the guard rotation is going to need to get a lot of minutes, and so it's just going to be difficult to find him spots. But I think by the end of the season, it's realistic to believe that he's playing 15 to 20 minutes per night. I, I'm not, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to tell you exactly how, how all these guys are going to get 20 minutes per night, because that's kind of what I've said for a lot of them, but I think they'll find ways. I think obviously they're going to have to get creative. I think every single day there'll be a different player in foul trouble. There'll be a different player who's really feeling it, like all of that stuff. So you're going to see a lot of, you know, this, this game, this guy only played 14 minutes, but this game he played 27. Like it's going to be, it's going to be weird and that's okay. It makes it harder for opposing teams to game plan against us. It makes it, uh, easier for the staff to kind of just play matchups and kind of play, you know, go with the flow a little bit. It obviously requires the team to feel really comfortable playing with all of the different players on the team, but this is such a talented group of guys that I don't think that's going to be a significant problem. Again, Dom does 
come in a little behind the sticks in that regard just because he won't have had as much experience playing alongside guys like Bolton and Salas and, and Hickman because, you know, he played with them over the offseason, obviously, but he hasn't won't have gotten a lot of game action with them because he's missing the first six to ten weeks of the season. Having said that, I think we're going to see some glimpses of improvement. I think his ability as a decision maker, his ability as a guy who can create his own shot is going to look better. Again, he played so few minutes in legitimately tense situations last year. Most of the time he was playing, it was kind of a little bit more standing around a lot of the time because the game was well out of hand. But I think when he's in those moments this year, we'll see a player who's more comfortable with his offensive bag, who's more comfortable knowing when to drive to the basket, when to pull up for three, when to swing the ball around, when to move without the ball, all of that stuff. Stuff that just happens naturally from your freshman year to your sophomore year. These are changes that all players go through. Gonzaga is very good at developing players. <laughs> that is not a surprise to anybody who is listening to this show. So Dom is going to be better from what he was last year to this year. And I think we will see it on the court when he is healthy, when he is out there, we will see, oh, he clearly has a better sense of what to do with the basketball. He clearly has, you know, moves in his bag that he did not have previously. He's not just a good three point shooter. He also, you know, maybe he developed the floater. Maybe he's more comfortable driving and then kicking out to a three-point shooter, something we didn't see him do a whole lot last year. Like maybe he's more comfortable leaning in, drawing contact, getting to the free throw line. Again, stuff that because of his limited role last year we didn't really see. Might be stuff that was already there that he just didn't get a chance to showcase, but I think by the end of this year we're going to say that's a player who's more complete on the offensive side of the ball. And defensively, I think he's going to be good. I worry about the foot injury because – feet are really important on defense. You have to move laterally. You have to jump a lot. You have to push your body in front of people. Having a nagging injury to your foot is going to present challenges there. But assuming that he is healthy, he's going to be really good defensively. He's tenacious. He's hard-nosed. He's long. He's very athletic, and he seems to have a really good nose for the basketball and just a good grasp of how to handle things defensively. He strikes me as like a big pest on defense. Like, yeah, he's going to play the passing lanes and do that stuff really well, but I think he's just going to be like, and remind me a little bit of, of Gary Bell, who's just, he's just right in your kitchen all the time. He's just flustering you, making it difficult for you, whether you have the ball or not. He's just constantly in your grill and constantly right there. And Gonzaga needs a dude like that. They need somebody who's willing to just do the dirty work and be right in people's kitchen and really frustrate them on offense. And I think Dom has the mentality, the makeup, and the physical skills to be that guy. And then finally, I don't think he's NBA bound after this year. I think that's almost a foregone conclusion that since he's going to miss so many of Gonzaga's most notable games, he's not playing against Texas. He's not playing against UCLA. He's almost certainly not playing against Duke. Like it just, those are opportunities for him to showcase himself that he's not going to get. Otherwise, he would have to have a monstrous run through the NCAA tournament, which I'm not going to fully say is impossible. Clearly, it could happen. If he just turned, if he's Gonzaga's best player in in a finals run, then maybe he looks, maybe there's some attention as him as a potential NBA player. But I think more likely what's going to happen is at the end of this year, we're going to say, well, you know, it's a bummer Dom was hurt. It's a bummer he didn't quite get the big role that we thought he was going to get. But next year, he's going to be the dude. And I think people are going to be right. I think in year three, with Bolton gone, with Nemhard gone, with, in my mind, one of the two freshmen gone. I would guess Salas, but I'm not sure. But I think one of those two guys is done. They're going to be one and done guy. So then you have Harris coming back with one of the other two guards. Let's say it's Hickman and Harris coming back. You've got some good players coming in in the, in the recruiting class, obviously. That's, that's going to be your dudes. Hickman, Harris, Strother, if those three guys are your, your three best players coming into the following season after this, Gonzaga's going to be in fine shape. I'm going to tell you that right now. They're going to be just fine. And I think Dom's going to do enough this year that we're going to feel really good about the role he's going to have as a junior. 
All right, that wraps up all of our player preview series, which means Gonzaga basketball is mercifully almost back, y'all. We are so close Sunday afternoon before we're handing out candy. We'll have watched Gonzaga play an official game. I say official in air quotes because it is an exhibition game, but they're playing another team. They're playing somebody else. It's not them. That counts for me. I'm thrilled about it. Friday's episode is going to be super fun. We're going to talk a little bit about Eastern Oregon. We're going to do some over-under predictions for this upcoming season, and then we're going to talk about some superheroes because I got a mailbag question asking to compare the players on Gonzaga's roster to superheroes, and I decided to flesh it out into its own segment instead of trying to hurriedly answer it in a mailbag, which I wouldn't have had time to do. So super fun episode coming on Friday. Of course, Monday will be mailbag. Get your questions ready after the exhibition game against Eastern Oregon. Any questions you have during the game, after the game, fire them my way on Twitter at ScoreZagScore or at LockedOnZags. You can reach out to me there. You'll get your questions answered ahead of Monday's show. All right, thank you once again for making this show your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen to the Locked On NBA podcast. You can get all your daily NBA updates from a variety of league experts while checking in on your favorite Zags playing at the next level. Thank you all for listening, and go Zags!